today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you have a pause or a check or something that just doesn't quite sit right and you don't have a peace about it, never, ever, ever go against that. It's been said that God will direct our steps, but He'll also direct our stops. And if God is giving you a Let me better said, he's withholding his peace from that decision. Don't move. If you're doing something and you don't have peace about it, then never, ever, ever follow through with it. God will open or close the right doors he wants you to walk through. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds you to walk away from something if you don't have peace with it. God will open the door when the time is right. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When he's speaking or filling in that day, you all show up. You hear, I'm coming to town. You run away. <laughs> you don't come. Paul's coming. Uh-oh. Hey, who's, who's speaking today? Apollos. Oh, wow, cool. And that's what was happening there in Corinth. And Paul addresses it, and he rebukes them for it. I only mention that because it gives us a glimpse into who these men were. These were very gifted men. I would even argue This is just a suggestion that I would make, humbly make, is that they were also very intelligent men. And the reason I highlight that is because I don't know what it is. It's almost like when you are a Christian, you're supposed to be anti-intellectual. No way. God is the God of the intellect. God gives us that intellect. These were intellectuals. These were guys that were very gifted, very smart. So if Paul had a question, get Zenos on the phone. Send him a text (laughs) or an email. I'm trying to bring it into, you know, modern day. Uh, He's the expert. God's gifted him. And Apollos too. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. This guy knew his stuff. He might have been a great orator, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a gifted scholar, but this guy was a scholar, man. This guy knew the Word. And think about this. It's not like Paul didn't. Are you kidding me? It is believed by some Bible commentators that the Apostle Paul had a very high intellect. If he is the one, and it's immaterial, it's irrelevant. If we needed to know who wrote the book of Hebrews, God would have told us who wrote the book of Hebrews. But if the, in fact, now that I think of it, some have even suggested that the book of Hebrews is so doctrinally meaty and mighty that it would have had to have been either Apollos or Paul who wrote it. Just the way it's written. Certainly it's inspired, but still, God uses the God-given intellect that He's gifted a man with, and He uses it. You know, there's a, 
kind of this uh, notion, I guess for lack of a better word, that when you come to Christ, you have to assassinate your intellect. You know, because the, the two are not, you know, compatible, if you will. You know, because when you come to Christ, you just, you know, <laughs> and it's a, you'll, you'll hear it. Sorry for that. Uh, what is that, Roadrunner? That's bad. I had a flashback there. You'll, you'll find something like that. You'll, you'll find that notion coupled with something like this. Oh, that's a blind faith. Blind faith? No, it's not. It's not a blind faith. It's an intelligent faith. It's an intellectual faith. It's a God-given intellect. And you go throughout Scripture, and time and time again, you'll see that recorded in the pages of Holy Writ. I just had another flashback, if you don't mind. You know in school, when your teacher would say, put your thinking caps on. They would, they stopped saying that to me. They just gave up. It's kind of like, I don't have a thinking cap. <laughs> in other words, put your intellectual, God-given intellect on. Because see, God's given us the ability to think, to reason, to reason through. This faith is an intellectual faith. It's a reasonable faith. Come, let us reason together. So for Paul to mention them here to me is an indication of their profound intellect, their God-given intellect, their gifts God-given, their talents. And they were of invaluable help to the Apostle Paul. You know, throughout the Proverbs, we studied through the book of Proverbs. That was such a great study, as was the Psalms, as was all the books. But throughout the Proverbs, time and time again, the wisdom is that with many advisors, many counselors, plans will succeed. The multitude of counsel, godly counsel, but with too few, they will fail. Again, one last thing on this, we'll move on. Not quite, but we'll get there. <laughs> you know, it takes humility, right? To admit, hey, I need some advice. You do? Whoa. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about again, right? Paul, come on, you, you know everything. No, I, I need some counsel here. I need some godly counsel. I need a gifted advisor that can kind of walk through this with me. Oh, I thank God for those men in my life that God has brought into my life that have had godly counsel. I mean, I think of Ahithophel, although it ended badly with him and David, but it said of Ahithophel, the most trusted and gifted advisor to King David, that when he spoke it was as the oracles of God. And God will do that. Oftentimes He will speak through that gifted advisor, and it will be a word exactly and fitly spoken for exactly what you needed to hear. And God will speak through that brother, that sister, 
that advisor, but it takes humility to ask, hey, you know, I don't have all the answers. This one's got me a little bit stumped. This is a head scratcher. You know, I'm of course praying and asking God, you know, God's going to reveal to you His will. Never think for a second that God doesn't want you in His will more than even you yourself want to be in His will. And isn't it true that one of the things that we want more than anything is to know God's will? And God is not up in heaven playing this heavenly chess game with it. Can you imagine? Wow, JD's almost figured it out. Quick, get down there. Change the board. (laughs) You almost figured this thing out. You almost figured out what my will is. No, it's more like this. (laughs) Hey, this this guy is having a hard time. Send some, he needs an Apollos. (laughs) He needs a Zenus. And then they come alongside, and here's how God does it. And it's what I like to refer to as the four legs on the table of God's will. First and foremost, and you need all four of these, it's God's Word. You know it's not God's will if it's incompatible with God's Word. If it's not in God's Word, I assure you, (laughs) on the authority of God's Word, it's not God's will, because God would never contradict His Word. First and foremost, God will speak to you and advise you through His Word. So it's the Word of God, number one. Number two, the peace of God. This is very important. And again, they all work in tandem, in concert, one with the other. And it's that peace where the Holy Spirit is like, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is good between me and the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. And you just have this supernatural peace that this is God's will. And it's God's Word. Let me flip that around, and and maybe this will help with the contrast. If you have a pause or a check or something that just doesn't quite sit right, and you don't have a peace about it, never, ever, ever go against that. It's been said that God will direct our steps, but He'll also direct our stops. And if God is giving you a let me better said, He's withholding His peace from that decision. Don't move. Don't move. Oswald Chambers said it best this way, when in doubt, don't. That's God checking you and stopping you. And it's not necessarily that He's denying you. Sometimes it's not that, hey, that's not my will. It's just not my timing. It's that quip really well said, When I'm wrong, God says grow. When the request is wrong, God says no. When the timing is wrong, God says slow. But when I'm right, and the request is right, and the timing is right, God says go. Wait for the green light. You know what we do? I'm going to bring in the traffic illustration now. (laughs) Look out. I know this one. I have a degree in this one. What happens when we see the yellow light? You know what yellow light is? Just so we're clear, the yellow light means slow down and prepare to stop. But I'm in a hurry. So what do we do when the yellow light? And oh, by the way, it's a conspiracy 
They're all yellow right when I get up there. Every single one of them. On the way to church. <laughs> it's like God saying, it's, it's pretty bad when God has to use stoplights. Hey, whatever it takes, right? But what do we do when we see the yellow light? We speed up. We speed. Come on. What's the matter? We're in church. Be honest with yourselves. Do you know if that yellow light could save your life? We have a sister that's a police officer and has become a dear friend, and she shared with my wife and I one time. We went to dinner, and and um, we were just, you know, she was sharing some of the. I, I just love police officers because they have so many stories, you know. And so she was sharing with us about how when she'll pull over somebody for speeding, and she'll say to them, and this stops them, and they are they have no answer for it. So she's writing them the ticket that you're trying to get out of. And we come up with the most magnificent reasons as to why, you know, just, oh, I didn't realize I was going that fast. You know, that's one of the most popular ones. And I've actually got a whole list. I'm happy to email it to you after if you want. <laughs> actually, let me hasten to say I've not had a traffic violation in over 33 years upstanding citizen of the community, I'll have you know. That's not because I don't exceed the speed limit. I just haven't been caught. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> but she'll say to them as she's writing out that ticket, you know what, sir? I probably just saved your life. Okay, now let's uh, take that into the context of our text. God wants to save you. You know, there's safety in the multitude of counselors. God wants to save you, <laughs> oftentimes from you. He's trying to save you from yourself because of your own proclivity and propensity to blow through all those yellow lights and you do so to your own peril, and God wants to stop you and slow you. Number three, providential circumstances. You've got God's Word, God's peace, God's providence. This is when God, in concert with His Word and His peace, will choreograph the steps of the circumstances and orchestrate your steps. So a door gets shut here. Redirection. A door gets open here. Let's go through it. And then the next door gets shut. And you're looking for the window, because <laughs> sometimes God will go through a window. Here we are. Look, God, open the doors. I don't want to use a door this time. I want to use a window. It's the providential circumstances that God arranges in His sovereignty providentially. And it's a confirmation of sorts. So here you've got God's Word, you've got God's peace, and then all of a sudden the circumstances line up, and that's God's way of saying that that's a confirmation. And the fourth one is what we're talking about here. It's those brothers and sisters in Christ that come alongside you and advise you and encourage you 
and counsel you, godly counsel. And those are the four legs on the table of God's will. There's something else here to note before we move on. And it's very interesting, and I I didn't see this until, I think it was Friday, but uh, it has to do with the names of three of the four men that Paul mentions. Aside from Tychicus, you've got Artemis, Zenos, and Apollos. Now, why is that important? Because <laughs> all three of their names are derived from the most pagan gods of that day. Apollos, Zeus, Artemis. These were demonic gods. How would you like to be named that? I'm trying to think of a modern day equivalent. I'm having a hard time thinking of one, but that was their name. And by the way, the name in that culture in that day was the nature. It wasn't just cruel parents. <laughs> hey, let's name him Apollo. I know, let's name him Wahi. That'll He'll have fun with that. He'll have to change that and come up with a legal AKA. So what's the point? The point is this. You never know who it is that God will choose and use to have a profound impact in your life. And oh, by the way, God chooses them. Again, I'm heavily leaning on Oswald Chambers, but uh, he said something to the effect, maybe it wasn't Chambers, it might have been Tozer, both of these guys, you just, you know, you read them and you just start questioning your salvation. They're just so, you know, in your face and blunt and to the point. And that's a good thing. But uh, he said something to the effect of, you can't choose the hands that God uses to crush the grapes, making it into wine in your life. See, if I had my choice, I, I, I wouldn't choose them. I don't want them. I'd rather have brother so-and-so. But they're uh, kind of like heavenly sandpaper. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, I wouldn't choose. They would not be my first choice. I would not have. I mean, let's just being honest. I wouldn't choose Apollos or, for that matter, this Zenus. I would... I would choose Larry or Bob. <laughs> They're more better, both of them. But never be dismissive of those people. They're the last and the least. They're the ones you would never think that God would choose to use. And you know why He does that? Well, it's also, in, in fact, it's in the context in 1 Corinthians 3 of this whole issue with Apollos and Paul. You know what Paul goes on to say? He says, God chooses <laughs> the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and He chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. See, we don't do that. We, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And <laughs> we're drawn to, we're prone to want to choose the strong, the wise. Hey, I need wise counsel. 
I need somebody with wisdom. Well, thank you very much. Picture a pipe, <laughs> a hat, I don't know, or those beanies, you know. Well, I'm so glad you asked. In my opinion, it would seem that the... No. God's going to bring a Zenus and Apollos. Hey, Paul, dude, here's the deal. That's, I wouldn't have chosen that. I want the other guy. <laughs> Never dismiss the people that God chooses and uses. This is our last one, verses 14 and 15. And this is huge, not that the other ones aren't, but these are the devoted helpers. Paul's final remarks to Titus are really an exhortation of sorts to be devoted to doing what is good and providing help, notice, for urgent needs. It's like the urgent care center of the church. It's been said that the church is not a showroom for saints, it's a hospital for sinners. And there's, there's always the accompanying, you know, saying that, hey, are you looking for the perfect church? Yeah, I'm looking for the perfect church. Okay. Well, if you happen to find one, don't go to it, because you'll ruin it. How about that? Or how about this one? I, I, I don't know what it is. It must be something I ate, but uh, I just thought of this one. You know how it is when you talk to a non-believer, maybe you're sharing the gospel with them, or you're inviting them to church, and they'll say something like, Ah, oh, that church is full of hypocrites! They're right. So what I like to say is, yeah, I know. We got plenty of room for one more. Come on, let's go. <laughs> That's what this church is, right? That's what the church is, right? It's a place where you go just as you are. And the body of Christ just rushes. <laughs> to that need. That's a healthy church. That's a healthy body. I really don't know if it's possible to overstate just how valuable these devoted helpers are, especially during those difficult times of great need. It is my personal belief that the people that God has there for us during those times. These are the people that have untold treasures in heaven, untold treasures in heaven that await them. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of Titus together. When Paul wrote the book of Titus, he wrote that truth might be taught in order to grow the people's faith. It isn't the paint color on the walls or the carpet on the floor that matters in the church. What matters is that the Word of God is being taught so that all might believe. Are you being taught and dwelling on truth today? If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this Titus series, you'll be able to find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible and you may even attend church, 
But have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit calvarychapelkaneohe.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for being part of today's listening audience. Join us next time on In Spirit, In Truth. Ooh